Network Radio. This week's show is a journey into consciousness, working through the wonderful trance mediumship of Mick and Sylvie Avery, with wisdom brought through by spirit guide Gregory Hay. To find out more about their work, you can visit www.spirit-teaching.com. So, a very warm welcome to spiritguides.co.uk network radio. Um, we're Gregory in the White Cloud Group. It's always an honour to have you back online. Well, my dear friend, it is with love and light and an honour for us as well to be able to communicate with you in this way. We thank you so very, very much for your uh, warm introduction and welcome toward us all. No, it's, it's very nice. It's, um, it feels like a long time since I spoke to you, really. It's been three weeks and, uh, you know, it's been dying to get on here. People have been asking quite a lot of questions as well. So, as always, I like to start the show now, handing it over to you, really, with an address, with something that you feel is important that I may miss if I don't ask the right question. Well, my dear friend, asking the right question, is that not always how humanity moves forward? Yes. If, if you look at one another, you ask questions, you try to seek an avenue of understanding whereby you are not dictated to, but simply you appraise yourself. You create judgment, maybe unfairly, or oftentimes it will be the correct stance that you take. And within all of these situations, dear friend, we have to understand about how communication really works and what it really means to all individuals. This is not just a situation of two people or three people talking or discussing, ruminating over life's mysteries, but rather thousands upon thousands of beings whose lives are intricately affected by the very serious nature of it or the joy of it or the gaiety or the love of it. All of these emotions that set freedom on its course freedom of the mind, the freedom of thought itself and how you bring about these communications for the well-being of yourself but also that it then means that your energy changes in your realization, your viewpoint. It's like communication itself creates a sort of freedom from the prison within and how this then comes to settle upon the mind and settle upon all individuals attracts either freedom or poisons from imprisonment, from juxtapositions of how that person thought of themselves or their understanding based upon their own conscripts or their own scripture of understanding. So we observe, my dears, the many people entrapped in their minds and the many who struggle for their own individual freedoms or collective passage from imprisonment of the mind to ultimate joy. We see this not as a sacrifice, but as simple logical steps of evolution so as to bind the planet and all peoples upon it to understand that all may have a voice and joy in the momentous state of moving forward one step at a time. Okay, thank you. Just on the question of asking the right question, because obviously when you do channeling, um, I get the impression that spirit don't like to break free will so they they're not they don't really want to tell you things unless you ask the right question. So if um if you ask a question, is that in a way offering up your free will in a way? So like if spirit tell you something that they shouldn't because it's breaking your free will, but if you ask a right question to get to the right answer, does that kind of does that allow spirit to answer a question where they might have broken free will. I'm not sure if I'm making myself clear here. No, I do understand. Absolutely, my dear friend. The problems of free will are 
uh, tantamount, in a sense, in the communication skill, are they not? And when we embark upon the serious understanding of any question that an individual may have, be that a client or person as yourself, be that of an audience or whomsoever it is, a dog or a cat or a, 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 or a croaking frog, it doesn't really matter. What matters is the intimate of the mind and how that being has arrived at the dawning of a problem that they need help or guidance to overcome the next step. That does not then bring about serious implications to us either impinging or then uh, making a problem for that person's pathway because otherwise it would be that none of this would occur and that all beings would have to counsel just themselves, not one another at all. So how would you ever share information or understanding? The free will in the individual surely is as to whether they bring that understanding that one individual has or the many individuals have, such as in our case, it's not my point of view. After all, it is the point of all of thousands of beings who are here. And in a sense, I suppose what you could say is that what I try to do in my capacity is to break down the thousands of inquiring minds that have many different com per permutations of answer or permutations of of different um, answer may be coming from a different viewpoint because their life struggle or change or situation has brought them to the same question or the same answer but from a completely different route which is oftentimes i don't mean to make this complex but oftentimes what this means is that we may give many answers within the structure of an answer purely and simply because not necessarily will only one answer do or suffice, but it may be that different human beings or animals or other creatures coming from a different perspective and knowledge pathway of their life physical journey or spirit journey experience are coming from a different point of view, from a different substance. It may well be that their whole substance and genre has been uh, decapitated simply in their spirit value because why I say that is because for some when they leave their physical presence behind and have done with it and return to our side of life they actually have a completely different set of values because their value is in a sense broken down by their physical journey and their realization of it so it's in a sense oftentimes that those on our side of life see things not always in hindsight because in a sense you are not gaining true free will if you know all the time what's coming around the corner it doesn't not mean that all spirit don't know anything or that they only know some things that they wish to know the point is that the expression of how you create how you create something from nothing is more difficult in a sense when being a physical being than it is from being a non-physical being because you have nothing to start with in a physical sense but you have everything in a spiritual sense so in that respect when you are living in the spirit world as we are the whole perplexion is a completely different state we aren't trying to create something from nothing and bring it into physical presence what we are simply doing is evolving or changing the mass of different directions into a whole and recognizing that completeness and oneness of that whole. Okay, thank you very much. Question I'll ask you now, a lady did write in, um, she wrote quite a lot actually, and um, I, did, I did go back and ask her to paraphrase if she could. Um, yeah. I think unfortunately she had uh, computer problems so she was unable to come back to me so I'm just trying to paraphrase the question here now she's um, she's a long follower of the show and um, I think she's she she listened to one of the shows where we spoke about enlightenment and I think in order to do that you, you mentioned that you you really need to achieve um, you know become a vegetarian or a vegan 
and um, this is something that she's been able to do herself anyway so she's um, she has done that but what she's found is that she has um, severe arthritis or so it becomes on worse when she's not eating meat and I think she's just struggling to find it, it does that mean that her process of enlightenment is now being put back yes I do understand the situation may be that there is obviously an imbalance elsewhere which is occurring. You must remember also, however, that being a physical being is that its prominence in the past has been uh, that in the evolutionary sense that it has been geared to or anchored upon the the whole situation of eating meat. That doesn't make it right, of course. And what I'm really saying here is in the process of enlightenment or your choice, what you wish to do is to create the temple of life of your own physical state. And rightly, what she has done is uh, taken that up in the cold terms to which it is illuminated and understood that process within. So it means that you don't have any residual energy of the link of destruction of other life forms in order to sustain you. In the respect of how this then affects you physically, every being has its own physical anatomy and chemical physiology. So it means that your physical body may take time in order for the structure of your being to become more understanding or to change in balance. Oftentimes what happens, particularly with skeletal or uh, uh, structural deficits that happen, it may well be that in some respects, genetically, you already have a kind of um, I would say weakness or, or that you would be subjected to this kind of uh, uh, strain or trauma of, of uh, suffering from this kind of uh, uh, serious degradation. But actually what is happening is that it's not, it's not meaning then that it's the product of your spirituality that you're somehow being um, caused ill effect purely because of your choice. The situation may well be resolved in a gradual state of improvement. I would suggest, however, my dear friend, that these different balances may be part of the structure of, say, environment, of not just foods that you eat or water that you drink, but there are certain pH values because you must look at the pH enhancement of this and how you can then structurally enhance the skeletal structure of your being so as to magnify it. So that the arthritic situation is not something then which defeats you, but is something that you can become more in harmony with. So for example, it may well be, dear friend, that you find that there are some um, conditions upon the marketplace that enable you to ease the suffering. For example, in certain kinds of kelp, certain kinds of, of uh, uh, situations like that, which I understand would be fully vegan, uh, therefore would mean that you would be able to uh, uh, continue your walk and find some easement from these pains and these uh, uh, arthritic conditions. So does that mean that if you attempt to have any kind of supplement like a beef extract or, you know, white meat or something like that, it will, does it hold you back on, on that path? Do you have to try and work around it? Well, if my dear friend, we are really talking about the true state of enlightenment. The, the, the point is that some people are very hooked upon that. They're very uh, uh, fascinated by it as to what they can achieve. That doesn't mean to say that if you eat meat or that if you eat chicken or that you eat fish, that it's wrong. I'm not saying that. I, I'm saying that in actual fact, you can become a very, very immensely happy being 
if you do eat those other、uh, foods, but that if you actually change your stance of mind, that means that you are actually making a kind of more of a deliverance of the food in which you eat, so that you are more respectful, perhaps. So maybe it would be that in the case of chicken, that you wouldn't、uh, buy something that. Uh, a, a, a bird or something that was factory produced, but was something that was honestly produced, then that might be a, a different、uh, situation in its effect of well-being. It's I I understand the problem is still that it's taken life for some people, and that becomes something of a block and territory they don't want to cross. And I understand then. Also, in the respect of true enlightenment, that if you really do wish for this blessed state, this purity of being at one in completeness with the whole of the earth and the whole of your spirit being, then that is truly and ultimately what you would have to sacrifice would be the eating of any kind of、uh, live animal. But I am saying that does not mean to say that. It means a total detriment to those people who have who have not been able to take that course. You see, because otherwise it makes、uh, many many other people then feel inferior in a sense. In the way that human beings oftentimes will temporize their life journey in respect of how they see their placement in the hierarchical claim or or chain of events. You see. It's very important. I understand this for human physical beings to feel as though they're on some rung of a ladder, mysterious ladder. The point that I see is, however, misplaced in a sense. I'm not being critical of these people, and my dear friend here is is blessed in her、uh, ability to choose wisely her path, and and in actual fact, it is. That she will ultimately become perhaps a much more blessed person in respect of her own frame of reference for herself, because in actual fact she is trying to treat herself like the honorary temple that she feels she must do, and that in itself is an an immense journey. I do not ridicule any part of this at all. It it is. However, for the individual to make that as a, a point, not of sacrifice. This is not a, a a situation on the anvil of life that you have to make these great sacrifices in order always to educate or learn or whatever. The th- situation, the question, is really based upon energy. What is the energy you wish to draw in? What is the energy? You truly wish to connect with, surely it must be your beautiful, pure spirit that every single being is a part of. So that means to say, the purity at which you excel and accelerate and create your vibration of love has to come from that connectivity of the temple of the physical being with the temple of your beautiful and pure. And everlasting spirit. Another question that she asked as well was to do with the、um, the plane crash that I, I believe happened in Chile、uh, quite a long time ago now. But I think it was、um, either a rugby team or a sports team that crashed, and to survive, they ended up eating the rest of the、uh, passengers. And I think she's just asking, you know, what what happens in that situation if you're thrown in that situation? What is the right thing to do? I mean, you obviously don't want to eat somebody, do you? <laughs> yes, but I understand those that they ate、uh, had already passed, so that's not like that they were they were hacking other people,、uh, other members of the of the situation uh, uh, at their point of choosing. It was simply、uh, they weren't taking life; they were simply using what was there, and. My dear friends, I have to say that there is no curse. There is no situation of aggression. There is no situation of 
disempowerment because of the act they did not choose to do. It was either that or not survive. They took upon themselves that their lives ultimately rested upon whether they should eat their fellows. As I say, it's not like they actually took the lives of these peoples, but they just simply saw it as a way forward for them to continue the life process. Okay, thank you. So I'm going to ask a few more questions now anyway. I understand. Okay. Right, so the question is, um, there's a, a place that's known as Shambhala, and I guess she wants to know, does this place really exist? In a physical sense, we could see that, uh, for example, that there can be temples of the mind that appear, in a sense, in a physical plane. So, so in saying that, it means that oftentimes what may happen within the conscious reality, let's say, even of a collection of people, is that they can come together with a certain, not a claim, but a certain kind of energy field. You've always got to remember that energy is vitally important. Vitally important to do with the nature between peoples, their ideas, ideals, and how they create with their energy. So with what you are illuminating to, and what I'm talking of, are really to do not with shadows of the mind, but with realities of how you may create energy about a specific place. The energy was there anyway, really. The situation and condition of how you connect with that energy simply means then that you connect with it in a different way. You realize it for the place it is. In exactly the same way, my dear friend, if you were to the east or west of Glastonbury Tour, and you looked upon it some miles distant. And what you would see, particularly at certain times of certain days, when the effects of climate and atmosphere are perfect, you would find that the energy of yourself and how you see it in its little glade all of its own, in a sense, standing as some proud empire, you are given to connect to the romanticism of ancient wisdom and culture that is linked to it. And then all of that suddenly wells up and becomes a place. Which doesn't mean to say that you had to live there at the time, or the condition that you had to live there at the time that it was said or sprung or brought together. So it means that peoples create temples of the mind which can exist for a short time in the physical state and presence of it. And the location may be, have been purely and simply a small collection of shady fields at one time or another or a small hillock upon an otherwise distant or quite uh, ordinary land, but that simply the condition or the realization of it, even if it becomes a monument and is built upon and made taller than the rest of the landscape, is simply an ideal. It is not the prison of the mind that locks you out of it. It's the acceptance of bringing it in that means that you continue or maybe use it as some part of a spiritual journey. That is oftentimes how it is that people, when they are uh, going, let's say, like Islamists to the Hajj or whatever, they are, they are visiting a situation that is spiritually sacred and like their own temple. And 
with these different situations within whatever religious experience or conduction for the, the real mental mind, it is the spiritual excess and reverie that comes with it. So the energy is real, the situation is real. It doesn't matter whether it happens in your century or not, or in your place of understanding. The listener also goes on to ask about you, actually, Gregory. Yes. Um, do you live at times in a personal space, much like we do, in a kind of a three-dimensional space, um, having to be involved in... Sorry, let me just read that again. Does Gregory live at times still in a personal space, despite having to be so involved in helping so many? Does he still retreat into beautiful places for refreshment? Or yeah. is it ceaseless, benevolent activity on his part? Well, my dear friend, I don't call myself as benevolent in a sense. I am just trying to do my very best for all of those I feel are left without a, a rudder or a paddle. I am mindful of the many hundreds of thousands of beings, the many millions who, since my passing, in 1723 have in fact continued to struggle and strive and uh, be in danger and create uh, situations and mistakes and auspicious occasions and whatever it was. I have my moments, my dear friend. Thank you so much for your concern of my well-being. I have my moments of times when I am in deep elliptical thought. They may be at times when I share my space with no one, not even my beautiful mother, but that I am, in a sense, always in a state of awe over the absolute conditions that I find people in such circumstances arise from the ashes of other people's minds and how they are able to create wondrous states of understanding and benefit for the many thousands or hundreds of thousands of others due to their lifetime experience. And I have to say, my dear friends, when I observe such peoples as that, as the, the individual who without legs or had only had one arm due to explosions that he was in, involved in and inflicted upon him that he ran from one side of America to another. I find that absolutely amazing, absolutely wondrous. How could I ever for one moment leave one moment alone to myself and feel I should help someone else or do my very best to try to bring some light to someone's otherwise dark tunnel that they find themselves in. I, I am immensely overjoyed at the times when I witness different beings who strive for their own individual and personal freedom and say, look to all other humanity, we can do this in spite of our differences and in spite of our problems we may perceive of ourselves. So my dear friend, I have to say, I have many excuses. Being dead is one of them, I suppose, where I could say, I take no trouble over it, that I have no wit of it, of human life experience now. And it is true. At times, I could, in a sense, move into different dimensions and be away from it all. But my friends, I cannot do this because I am committed to being with each and every single individual one of you. Each, every single journey. Because I feel partly responsible, as we all do, this is part of what you have to recognize in your walk of life now. Yes, you are can carrying your candle of light. But you have to understand 
that there are all of these on our side of life, the many millions and billions of beings, not necessarily who have had physical life, but all the billions and billions of those of us in the spirit world who carry our light for each and every one of you. Okay, thank you. Okay, so just, just moving on to another question there. This was obviously touched upon in, in the last show, and it was to do with the Gulf of Mexico. And I've got quite a few questions around that on so many different levels, really, because um, I know that the media coverage has gone away, but I feel that the the issues with the people living around the Gulf Coast, Coast hasn't gone away, and there's a lot of heartache with people yes. suffering yes. Um, with that. And, um, and there's a rumour of some kind of blue flu or people's um, internal organs that are kind of either dissolving or hemorrhaging um, from something from the, the Gulf of Mexico. Now, I just want to clear up maybe what some people are saying could be an organism in the Gulf of Mexico that might either be a Cynthia or some kind of um, prehistoric or extraterrestrial organism, or it may be something that's you know, horrific from what BP have done, you know, mucking around with um, genetics. Yes. I just, just wondered if, if you're able to sort of throw some light on that. Well, my dear friend, I, I would have to say that this is a situation which we are constantly trying to observe. There are some situations which are somewhat murky. We are obviously aware of the various different conditions that human beings are suffering, but also the many forms of animal life. I would have to say this is not just an isolated state. This is something which is also being repeated in Russia, for example, in the, the, the way in which various different parts of Russia are being highly toxic and highly contaminated by nuclear waste and nuclear uh, 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 byproducts from the intolerable state of how human beings are forgetting themselves in a sense. So in respect of this, we can see that there are many evolutionary challenges being faced here. I'm not going to say specifically about extraterrestrial life or whatever, because it would be somewhat misplaced as the situation is yet to be concluded. It's still ongoing, still evolving. The conditions certainly appear to be that there are various different anomalies arising from the various different conditions which are the cause of chemical dispersants that were used, that are the cause of various different uh, uh, anomalies of chemicals coming together which should not have ordinarily done so. And these are raising serious concerns about both marine life, the shore life, not forgetting, dear friends, that these whole areas in the shoreline, the last two miles from the shore itself and some way inland, because these were really nursery beds to a great many different marine animals and uh, fishes and various different kinds and forms of life, means that these are also the products of people living there as well. And these whole uh, uh, configurations of situations being unleashed here is yet to resolve. It's still evolving. So it means that we cannot be that specific at this present time. We are still studying it and still trying to get a grip upon exactly what chemicals and exactly how these different interactive states are mimicked and being presented to different forms of life. For example, you may well have shrimp which actually react to one kind of situation, whereas crayfish or other kinds of, of beings like crabs are actually reacting in a different way to the same chemical imbalance or the same set of circumstances. It appears to be that these conditions then echo through humanity who are living there too. 
And we see that depending upon which genetics these different human beings came from depends upon how their physical genomes and uh, uh, DNA actually react to the different chemical compounds they're now bringing into their water supply and are now taking in to their physical bodies. And all of this, of course, is kept very much out of the public eye. Yeah, because I actually saw a, a satellite photograph that someone had um, written a blog post about that seemed to show more rigs going up in the Gulf of Mexico rather than coming away. And then there's also the rumour of lots of submarine activity as well. Yes, I understand that the, the whole uh, uh, oceanography of the floor, the, the seabed at it itself, is fairly weak in various different ways and structures in that area. So it does mean as well as the tectonic plates and uh, uh, the shifting of the whole uh, mass of the earth at this present time, there are still these inherent weaknesses. But I, I say again, friend, this is in a sense in, in a, a like way to the conditions happening in Russia and elsewhere as well upon the planet. It, it's uh, really in a sense, it seems to be very difficult to understand how is it that humanity itself is really going to get a grip of this if they are unable to trust one another with the slightest bit of information means to say that there are a great many pieces of information that are being kept from knowledge or understanding that is why it's so important with your multimedia based uh, platforms that you have now that you are able to share and communicate all of these different responses, disappearances, changes, evolutionary changes, and various different uh, anomalies which happen too, like the disfigurement of children. And uh, these disfigurements are not necessarily which are on the outside. They may be on the inside too with uh, organ displacement or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So just... Um... There was a whistleblower that came online that actually blew the story that there was a build-up in, in the Gulf of Mexico. So obviously that's already uh, in the consciousness that's on the internet. But yes. one thing I just wanted to explore really was not necessarily you giving us the answers if it's not something you can go into, but I, I, how much of what that person was giving was real information or whether it's mixed up with disinformation. Yes, exactly. But that's a difficulty, isn't it? The point is that you try to uh, pare away, a bit like peeling the proverbial banana, really, and that there are some strands of it which appear to be missing, or that some strands of it appear to be not of the same fruit, but actually of something else differently and entirely. The problem with the media's circumstance in which you surround yourselves at this time, and particularly I would have to say within the situation of media itself, that there are inherent problems because of the difficulties in which transparency is really kept as a guarded secret. So it means that it's very difficult to test out the veracity of any story or any set of situations and conditions. You would say, I suppose quite rightly, that there are certain embers within any story which mean that it has or contains some truth, but how embellished or distorted those truths are, are difficult to understand unless you have great experience in extenuating circumstances and actually checking out the valid, the validity of all of the facts presented. And that's something that we are trying to continue to perceive and continue to work upon. So in a sense, with this condition, my dear friend Ian, the it's not done yet. And it simply means it's a matter in progress. Okay. I'm reading a fascinating book at the moment. It's basically going into the Phoenix Lights, and we spoke about this before, back in the end of the 1990s, yes. around about 1997. Could be wrong there. Yes, I and so. I'm just what I'm just intrigued about is the propulsion of this uh, mile-long craft that looked like a chevron, you know, like a sort of a V-shaped. Yes. yes. Witnesses were saying that you know you had almost 10,000 plus people witnessing this event. 
Yes. So, and you had people that were kind of in their homes and then intuitively almost were guided to go outside and witness it. And these yes. vehicles wanted to be seen. They wanted to be written about. That's right. And, and I just wondered, you know, who are they? Because clearly they, they really wanted that to be a big awakening on the planet with so many people witnessing it. But it, it obviously didn't. You know, it's still kind of pushed under the carpet. I just wondered if you're able to, at this point in the, you know, talking to you, whether you're able to put more light on it. Now we're sort of getting more nearer to perhaps disclosure coming, hopefully. Yes, yes, quite so. Well, the condition is, you remember, my dear friend, I was talking about uh, previously your previous question about the way in which imagery or situations or conditions with the creation of energy, whether that's a singular event or something that happens jointly with many people, that then creates its own energy and in a sense can create its own experience. Doesn't mean to say it's fake, doesn't mean to say it, it doesn't really exist. What it means is that the experience becomes a part of that being's life and that as another being, you hone in on it, you tune into it, to that experience. And it doesn't matter then whether you actually experienced it at the time or not. The very fact that you're airing it then draws people in to the condition. That doesn't make, make it wrong and it doesn't mean to say that it didn't exist. The point of how this actually happened, even if then people were sat at home and they were doing something else, busying themselves with something else, what those beings were able to do was use the same in concert energy I was talking about. Remember the event, life, physical life, spirit life is all about energy. You are an energy being. That means then when collective energy is used, you begin to understand the totality of how you can change energy and how you can utilize energy on a global scale to produce something which may be a state of mind, which may be a state of being. What the individuals who were actually practicing and were within those craft wanted to create was an open window to the world of physical human beings and say, here we are. It doesn't mean to say that I have to then talk about automatically who they are, but what it does mean is that the whole condition of it is to do with acceptance. It means that the mass of people who saw it, witnessed it, 10,000 or 100,000, it doesn't matter. What mattered was that they were able to accept it and understand the condition of which they were a part, and then it becomes something bigger and more evolved doesn't never mean that it was not a part of their life because in actual fact that shared experience then means that people subsequently who have experience are less frightened. And when you are less frightened, you exchange a different energy than when you were frightened and you were either in fight or flight state, which means that your energy can never be approached in that environment. So what they're actually trying to do is to dissipate the energy of all human beings gradually over a period of time so that it may become more acceptable and that the fear factor will become lessened and that acceptance perhaps in some level may be created. Otherwise, in a sense, if you just had perhaps uh, 60 or 80 craft that suddenly appeared, appeared out of nowhere over a large city like New York or something like that, you would actually have uh, the condition as echoed in so many times that you would have mass panic, purely and simply because a lot of people would not understand, would assault their minds into uh, becoming restless and in fight-or-flight mode, you see? Indeed, yeah. I'm, I'm just really intrigued to know how many millions of years 
will they be advanced enough to have that kind of technology? Well, exactly. That's you know. the point, really. Uh, it's not a, in terms of millions of years, but rather in terms of handed... How can I say this? It's a different kind of level of understanding because beings who have vehicles in this way are actually more advanced in their own ecology as well. That doesn't mean to say that they're all nice and pretty pretty either. But what it does mean is that those advancements in that kind of technology, if they wanted the planet, oftentimes you would think, well, they could just march straight in and take it purely and simply, because if they have that kind of technology, then any other kind of technology that human beings might have would simply be completely useless and superfluous. And in actual fact, I would have to say that largely that is the case. This is a condition whereby you had much greater energy to engage with certain beings than to actually be fearful but it doesn't mean to say that you have to make the same situation to everyone that you meet. Otherwise, that's, in a sense, you never know when the, the person in complete madness would come to your door, you see. So you have to always be ultimately careful. Yeah. So one thing I've worked out is that they can't move the same way we move objects through motion. Because if you move something through the air, even if it's silent you would hear the whistling from the wind, you'd hear displacement. But these objects seem to glide along at a very slow pace as what happened in Phoenix. Apparently, they seem to go overhead about 30 miles an hour. Yes. But there was no displacement of air, just completely silence. It's almost like, are they just sort of appearing in each place rather than actually moving from A to B? Yes, that is very true. It seems to be like that. However, my dear friend, I have to insist upon this, that you would actually have exactly the same effect and event if you saw a vehicle move from one side of the horizon to the other side of the horizon in three seconds. You would expect there to be sound that followed it to do with the displacement of air in exactly the same way when you see a vehicle moves through the uh, through the speed of sound moves through that barrier, you expect it to 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 actually have that effect. You'd you'd have a sound eventually come from that effect. But in actual fact, if you see a an alien craft that does that, you will still will hear absolutely nothing at all. How? <laughs> I mean, how does it do that? Is it literally moving into, I'm here, I'm now going to be positioned here. So I'm not moving from A to B, I'm here, and now I am here. Is it kind no, of like that? No, because otherwise, my dear friend, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see the transition. In actual fact, what happens within physical time presence, and also because of the bending of light that happens in physical time presence, you would actually see the situation of the vehicle moving from A to B, even if it only takes three seconds to move from one side of the horizon to the other. So they're moving through time? I would have to say what they're doing is that it's a bit like creating a corridor. If you can imagine, dear friend, that oftentimes what these vehicles do are they are projecting where they are going as well as where they have been. Wow. So what's actually happening is that they create a vacuum between the two places and then simply attract the vacuum to themselves, to their craft, you see? So these, these, are, these are beings that can truly manifest and bend reality then, aren't they? Well, if you are looking at it in the sense of Earth physical state, not really, because Earth's physical state is actually more dimensions than you think it is. Hmm. So it means that when you're looking at something, let's say you're looking at something three-dimensionally, what you're actually seeing are perhaps up to seven dimensions. You see? But they don't happen all the time. They only happen parts of the time. So that 
what happens then is that different beings may be from other worlds or whatever, uh, whether these are extra or ultra terrestrial, you will have different impacts. So sometimes the craft that you see are actually ultra terrestrial and not of the physical world at all. So simply the fact that you see them can be at times only simply because they want you to. And then at other times they don't want you to see them. It might also be because of the bending of light that they create with uh, uh, around their vehicles that they that that means you actually don't see them because they're bending light so that they're bending light around themselves. You see? Yeah. Can I ask, is our evolution um, going to go the same way? You know, if you if you were to fast forward thousands of years or millions of years, and you know, if we didn't blow ourselves up in the process, would we also eventually get to that state ourselves? Well, that depends, my dear friend, on humans' ability to continue to create and connect with physical life and in its ability to husband it, to create the right environment so that human life continues to exist, does it not? Otherwise, it means that if you care less for the planet, if you care less for all of the beings who live upon it, then you are doing a disservice for all of humanity and for all of those potentially of the spirit world to have a human physical existence. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. When I was really, really young, I, I used to think of heaven being really old-fashioned, like just full of old yeah. people and really old-fashioned. Yeah. How sweet. <laughs> but obviously now I get the impression that the spirit world is more advanced than us here on the physical plane and, and there's beings there that are probably inventing or creating the new ideas that someone in the earth place is hopefully going to use intuition to grab or to use yes, absolutely that's right absolutely yes mm. quite so and vice versa too it takes nothing away from human beings it does not mean to say that human beings are without creation or are without invention themselves Absolutely. It's not to say that uh, uh, Einstein or uh, Tesla or whosoever were devoid of their own creation. They weren't. They were, they were creators themselves too. That's the point. But they had interactives between their own creative consciousness with which they gained ideas, illumination, stimulation from the production of wanting to know why is this or how does this then if so i can create this I, it is a simple platform to some and yet to others unfathomable so in a sense we can see that even children i do not mean this in a sense of belittling but with children you may have more creative stances than with adults purely and simply because they haven't got anything to stop them. There's no blocks. There are no building blocks with which they become obstacles. So their obstacle is removed means that the thought becomes purer, which means that the illuminate idea means it can become something that grows in front of it rather than something whereby your initial conclusions and and situations of life which have then become the stumbling blocks of which you have stumbled over your life then actually create obstacles themselves to you discovering new ideas about yourself that's part of the reason in a sense i suppose why it is that human beings tend to fall into conditions of role play conditions of uh, normalcy of repeating themselves day after day, week after week, month after month, or that they then become static or stayed within their own ideas, purely and simply because it's just a lot of energy to expand yourself and continue to expand yourself. Yeah, okay, all right. All right, so just to end it on that note anyway, because we're on the hour now anyway. Yes, yes. Um, so, I mean, just one last thing. Do you, do you think um, things are going to be positive as we move forward into 2011? Do you, do you think that the economy can fix itself slowly with people sort of coming up from the bottom and trying to build a new system? Yes. 
I think it is possible. I think that people have to not just be allowed to do that, but they have to wrestle with it themselves. That they have to uh, actually, in a sense, take responsibility and not be swamped by the negativity that so many people feel right now, this moment in time, of that they are that it's just too big a hill or too big a mountain, or that even when they are worrying frantically about their own condition or that of their mother, father, sister, brother, person who is injured or in some way infirmed, that's the center of their world. That becomes the center of how they can focus or not or be derailed by the motions of their life experience and their journey of offering. The point is, we have to remain positive. We have to remain focused. If not focused, then create the focus. If not positive, then go out and do something positive. Make it as though the next day is going to always be a better day than today. And even if today was brilliant, then make the next day even more productive so that you can share that brilliant energy that you feel from your brilliant day into something of an emotive status for other beings to then say, yes, we can too. Just a question on protesting, because we've had big protests in the UK um, last week with, with the students. Yes. Uh, it's a fine line with protesting, because obviously if you protest and you cause criminal damage or you hurt somebody, then obviously that's going to go against the person that does it. But I also feel that you're playing into the hands of the powers that be or the government in that sense, because then they can use it against you. Yes, you see, I told you so, isn't it? Yeah, so the the best way to protest, if you are going to protest, is to do it peacefully, isn't it? But do you have any... Should pe- people should be out in the streets protesting if they feel about something, but they should do it safely without harming people. Well, yes, of course. One always thinks that, my dear friend, in an ideal situation, in an ideal setting, an ideal world. The problem that you face as human beings is in your level of freedom of speech your level in freedoms of how you think, portray yourself. It may well be that the anxiety with which you protest, that if you really feel strong enough, that the protest itself becomes that it gains its own life, purely and simply because if it's so personal to you, if it's threatening your family, if it is a condition which is threatening to you, you must remember that human beings too are animals. That means they go into fight or flight. So it means that either if you are a being who is displaced, who does not have a hold on your emotions, but who actually becomes uh, somewhat uh, inebriated by the condition of emotion, that means that you do not have a level head, then I would suggest that you protest in, find a different way to make your protest. Because the condition will be that as governance increases power within the way of governance, oftentimes disarms human beings who then try to confront that power. And obviously, things can then become ugly. What you have to do is remind yourself before you go to protest physically upon the streets, not that it is wrong, otherwise human beings would not have evolved in the way that they have. But that if you are in protest, about something, you can also learn to use your protesting in other ways, in other medias. Don't forget you have media to your fingertips, something that no one else in physical life upon the human planet Earth has ever gained before. So you need to use it as a people in exactly the same way that the peoples of the past used the only tools that were available to them, which was their feet 
their voices and their hands saying, I am here. It doesn't mean to say that all marches or all protesting is something of a bygone age. But it means that there are places when you can and do and must, surely. And there are other times like Aung Chi, who actually simply by being on house arrest in her own place that she sent a silent protest in many respects. Not that it was down to her intuition that it happened that way, but it became that symbol and voice in exactly the same way as Nelson Mandela uh, was as well in all of those years spent in the imprisonment. All of these situations and conditions are ways in which humanity en masse moves forward. Use the right keys, the right voice for the right time. Okay, thank you very much. God bless everyone, dear friends. May your love constantly be with you. Thank you. Thank you, Gregory. It's lovely. Yes, thank you so God bless. God bless. If you would like to book your own personal reading with Gregory to find out about your own soul journey, then please visit the graphic banner underneath the show or visit www.spirit-teaching.com.